everyone, and welcome to The Witch Hut. I'm your host, Chelsea Martinez, and I hope you're having a magical day. Before I get into anything witchcraft related, I just wanted to give a quick personal update and say that my sweet baby Juno has had to undergo surgery for her anal gland again. The vet said she's healing up well and that she's in good shape right now, but if you have any good vibes to send her way, I would definitely appreciate that. I'd also like to say that everyone has always been very kind about any technical issues on my end, but I do want to add the quick disclaimer that I'm recording this basically at the last moment I have if I want to give myself time to edit, so I don't have the luxury of allowing myself multiple takes if need be the way I normally would. So if there's any weirdness, it's because I have to get this recorded as quickly as I can and hopefully fix anything that needs fixing in the edit. Since the winter holidays are coming up, I wanted to talk about some of the things I would recommend for witchy gifts, either for a witch in your life or just for yourself. Links to everything I mentioned will be in the show notes, and if I've listed something that's mass-marketed, I still really strongly suggest looking for these at your local businesses before buying from a massive corporation. First up is the Llewellyn Witches Datebook. This is set up like any other standard planner, but with witchcraft-related information added. Personally, I'm a big fan of this datebook because it's simple and utilitarian, but you get all the information you need, like when the sabbats are, lunar cycles and other astrological happenings, and other little bits of info that you can use for spell work or in your spiritual practice. There are some recipes and a few short articles included, but nothing that takes up a lot of room. I like that it's a reasonably small size, especially since I can understand choosing to use this separately from a more in-depth planner system. You get a decent amount of space to write, but I think that if you like to do special tracking spreads or bullet journal type planning, you'd want more space. It's also nice that you could use it if you wanted to keep all your witchy stuff a little more discreet and maybe leave your ritual plans out of a date book that would end up left out on a desk. Personally, I have yet to find an app that I like for magical dates and occasions because I tend to find all of them kind of unnecessarily bloated and not super functional, but I like this because you really do get a lot of information, but it's still nice and sleek. I'm someone who tends to be pretty practical with spiritual tools like this, and the Witch's Date Book is the kind of delightfully functional thing that I really appreciate. To kind of piggyback onto that recommendation, I would also recommend the Llewellyn Witch's Almanac. Every year is different, and there's a nice variety of articles by different authors. This is a nice casual read that I'd say is a very safe bet if you want to give a witchcraft-related gift, but you aren't quite sure what might be missing from their bookshelf. I would also recommend this and the date book for new practitioners because you can get a lot of information without a huge time commitment, and it can give you just small bits of information to add to your own book of shadows or help you feel inspired to try something new. You can also try out a different witch's almanac. Um, I've had the Llewellyn almanac, but I know that there are a ton of different ones out there that might give you a new spell for each day of the year or might have a specific theme. I also have a tarot deck to recommend, and you can probably guess which one. It's no secret that I absolutely absolutely love the everyday witch tarot, like to the extent that it's kind of become the unofficial witch hut deck. And normally I wouldn't suggest tarot decks as gifts unless the recipient has asked for a specific deck, just because a deck can be perfect for someone on paper. And then when they actually try to use the deck, it doesn't really click with them. I've definitely bought decks for myself that I waited to come out for months and then been really disappointed to find that something about it just didn't make for a good reading experience for me personally. But the reason why I would suggest the Everyday Witch Tarot is because it's actually not even my favorite deck. There are decks that I own that resonate with me much more strongly, but I probably use the Everyday Witch Tarot more than any other deck that I own just because it's so fantastic to read with. 
This symbolism walks the line between esoteric and modern, and there are a ton of clever details that you can discover over time. I'd also say that it's cute without being saccharine, and the art style is pretty to look at without being anything too cartoonishly bold. It's also pretty straightforward to read with, and I feel like someone from any experience level could totally enjoy the Everyday Witch Tarot. I also have a couple of indie brands to recommend, and I'm going to tag them in the Instagram post for this episode. I very, very, very highly encourage you to support small businesses. I've been trying to make the conscious effort to shop indie brands first before I decide to check out mainstream brands, especially when it comes to fragrance type things like perfume or candles. YSL doesn't need my money. Dior does not need my money, and I would rather support someone living their dream to create something meaningful. All of the brands I recommend are also magically inclined because I did want to make sure that I was sticking to the topic of witchy gifts. So the first brand I'm going to recommend is called Dark Lantern Perfumery. If I have a scented candle burning, it's almost always going to be from Dark Lantern. I've tried a lot of their scents and unfortunately, I think this episode might come out after they've moved on from their fall collection, but if you can, go get Bonfire and Witch's Brew. From their main line of candles, I also really like Siren's Kiss, which is described as sweet sea salt, and to me it smells like a fancy boutique by the beach. I also very much enjoy Peace and Healing, which is sandalwood and coconut, and Abundance, which is patchouli and rose. Something that I particularly like about Dark Lantern is that they have a really good variety of different scents to try, so there's something for every mood. Dark Lantern also makes perfume, and I very highly recommend Moonflower if you can get your hands on it, and I also really like the Citrus and Sage. Next up, we have Lovesick Witchery, which is a perfume atelier. What I love about Lovesick Witchery is that instead of creating fragrance that smells like a thing, they make fragrance that smells like a place or a moment in time. And the level of detail is mind-blowing. My favorite scent right now is called Dead of Night, which is described as the scent of a late-night laundromat, and that's exactly what it smells like. I'm not even someone who's really into clean laundry fragrances, but this has that perfect twist of just a little bit more atmosphere than only laundry soap. It really does smell like a place and it truly does smell what late night smells like. I also very much enjoy Nightmare, which smells like waking up from a nightmare and it perfectly captures the scent of coldness. Another favorite of mine is Strange Creature, which smells like eating chocolate and oranges in a forest. I'm not even kidding. Looking at their Instagram or their website is so dangerous because I just want everything. Lovesick also has a magical perfume oil section and they offer bespoke perfume, which I haven't yet tried for myself just because my wish list of their in-stock perfumes is so long. Last, but certainly not least, is Obscura Hortus, which is a perfume atelier as well. Obscura Hortus is more on the avant-garde side of indie brands, with the perfumes being made in extremely small batches and the scents themselves tend to be highly conceptual. There's a really fantastic mix of literary and pop culture references, as well as nods to mythology and witchcraft. This is a perfume house that's not afraid to experiment, so if you're looking for something truly different, it's perfect for you. I'm a massive fan of the scent Beneath a Mystic Moon, which is a strawberry, lemon, lavender delight that smells exactly like what the perfume bottles at Minnie Mouse's house in Disneyland smelled like when I was a kid. I also love the Lady in White, which is floral and fruity, but the only way I can describe it is that it smells like a ghost on an empty road. You know the one. It's kind of on the outskirts of town, so there's a real street, but there's also an empty field and maybe a 7-Eleven. That's the only reason why you're there. Anyway, it's that ghost on that road on a hot summer night in the late 90s. 
I highly suggest keeping an eye on the shop and if you see something you like, snap it up right away. Like I said, the perfume seems to be made in extremely small batches, so often only a bottle or two of a scent will be restocked and I've had things in my cart sell out before I could actually buy them. Anyway, I hope you liked this gift guide, even if it just gave you some inspiration to give yourself something nice. Now that we're past the witchiest month of the year, I wanted to do something for those of us who may have been bitten by the magic bug and still want to go deeper into their spirituality. A lot of books for witches focus heavily on what you can or should be doing with your practice, but I don't always hear about what you should actually expect to happen if you're making magic and actively participating in your spirituality. This is also where I think a lot of witches get hit with those expectations versus reality realizations and become disillusioned or feel like they're not doing things right or that they're not meant to be a witch. If that's a place you're in, let me affirm for you that if being a witch speaks to your soul, then it's absolutely right for you, and with time and experience, you'll begin to see the real ways in which magic works. There are several different ways in which the spiritual awakening cycle has been written out, but it usually follows along the same lines as something called the hero's journey. If you've been studying tarot, that might sound really familiar. That's actually the story that the major arcana tells when you look at it in numerical order. And the spiritual awakening or hero's journey is not meant to be a six-month, one-time process. If you're always growing and changing, you'll always be moving throughout the hero's journey over the course of your life. The cycle may end and begin again, but you don't hit the end and call it good and decide that that means that you're enlightened forever. So to very quickly sum up this cycle, you have your awakening, then you move on to questioning and exploration. Often there's a high point where you feel on top of the world and you may start to consider yourself an expert or especially adept. When that ego comes crashing down, it's normal to have some kind of dark night of the soul with disappointment, disillusionment, and feeling like maybe if you didn't know everything, that means you know nothing. Eventually, this softens a little and you can go back out into the world with a little less bravado and a little more humility and begin the questioning and exploration again just a little older and wiser. And in theory, you keep seeking answers until you reach enlightenment, but in actuality, I'm not sure I feel comfortable with saying that the continued seeking ever really ends. And like I said, there are a lot of different interpretations of this cycle, but the one thing they all have in common is that dark night of the soul. If you want to make progress, at some point you're going to have to trip and fall over your own ego. That doesn't mean you're bad at magic or not meant for witchcraft. It means that you've reached a fundamental stage of development. Unfortunately, lots of people hit that stage and decide that their journey ends there and move on to something else without trying to let go of their ego. Something that really tends to bother me about the narrative around witchcraft is that it's often presented as something inherently dangerous and you should be careful what you wish for because you don't actually have control and you can have some very disastrous results. I personally feel like all of these cautionary tales are meant to make witchcraft more palatable to people who are raised in Christianity and to push the idea that the only safe witchcraft is the kind that is only ever love and light. In reality, any choice you make can have unintended consequences, so it's not just witchcraft that you don't have complete control over. The universe is not just sitting there waiting to smite you if you step out of line and wish for something that could possibly be taken in another way. This isn't all meant to be some kind of cosmic joke about a 12-inch pianist. But if you don't have to expect either perfect success or complete disaster, what are you supposed to expect? I see three very general outcomes to spell work. It might work more or less the way you wanted, 
It might simply not work at all, or it might fall somewhere in between those two. Obviously, we all go into it wanting that first result. I generally feel that a successful spell gave you about 80% of what you asked for. It's magic, so it's not a miracle. And even though sometimes you can get incredible success with something major, I personally find that something with a smaller focus is more likely to be successful. You're more likely to always get a good parking spot than you are to win the lottery, although I'm sure the fact that more people are hoping to win the lottery than they are hoping for a good parking spot has something to do with that. I've also found that spells that ask for the current situation to work in your favor are more likely to be successful than the ones that ask for something completely unrealistic. At the other end of the spectrum is a complete lack of the outcome you were working for. So, I wanna say that I personally do not like the line of thinking that everything happens for a reason and thus you aren't allowed to be upset about it. Spiritual bypassing or the use of spirituality to avoid dealing with complicated feelings or negative emotions is not something I'm ever going to encourage. That being said, my personal understanding of the universe as of this moment anyway, is that there are certain situations that we're put into because there are things we need to learn or experience in order to become more evolved versions of ourselves. However, I also feel like going into those scenarios with the level of detachment required to see exactly what the lesson is and jerk yourself off over how much you're learning is going to defeat the purpose of being taught the lesson in the first place. So when you make a magical request and the answer is no, well, what happens then? Personally, I like the idea, which was introduced to me in a tweet by a person I can't remember, <laughs> that the universe kind of treats us the way we treat our pets. And when my cat wants something that is bad for her, even when she really, really wants it, I have to take it away because I understand how dangerous it is for her. She doesn't understand, but that's okay. She might be furious or really upset about not being allowed to eat rubber bands, but that's okay because I'm looking out for her. She can feel her feelings and also have her back. And that's exactly what I think happens when you're being prevented from eating something tempting, but deadly. Feel your feelings and don't worry about achieving enlightenment right that very second. And remember, disappointment is part of the hero's journey, but that means you have to actually feel the disappointment in order to make it past that part of the trip. And in my experience, a complete no is usually not the answer. A lot of the time when the answer isn't a resounding yes, it's more of a yes, but. And you may get what you were really looking for, but in a way you didn't foresee happening. What does that mean? Well, it might mean that if you were asking for a million dollars, but what you really wanted was to stop feeling afraid of not having enough, maybe you won't get a massive check, but maybe you'll find your financial burdens eased in some other way so that life can be a little bit easier for you. Your spell still worked, but you were given what you really needed instead of what you were asking for. Or maybe your answer is a yes and. Sometimes you're not in the right place to get what you want. Sometimes what you want is waiting for you, but it's somewhere else and life has to take you there first. I think that being able to accept the results of your spell work is easier when you come to it from a place of spirituality instead of only thinking of what you could gain. And don't get me wrong, I do think that being empowered as a witch can definitely include doing spiritual work for the things you want in your life. But I feel like if you focus only on getting what you want, it's not surprising that you might feel like witchcraft isn't worth moving forward with when you didn't get exactly the result you had in mind. This week, I'm using the Affirmator's Tarot because I need a hug and this deck has 78 of those in paper form. 
Our card is the Ace of Wands, which refers to the initial spark of inspiration. If you aren't feeling this, just remember that it's in you, even if it's buried under the weight of the world. You don't have to force it, but you should also not lock yourself out of the possibility of feeling that rush of inspiration. And because every card in this deck comes with an affirmation, here is the Ace of Wands affirmation. I say yes to the divine spark that sets me ablaze and I carpe every damn diem. And there you have it. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Witch Hut. Keep up with the show on Instagram at The Witch Hut Pod and follow me at Chelsea the Witch for everything behind the scenes and into the beyond. You can always send me a DM to suggest episode topics or to ask questions that you would like to have answered on the show. I'll be back in two weeks. And until next time, take care of yourself and live your most magical life.